We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls to the Wombo Combo. Excited to be here once again. And surely was uh, going to be a great show. And as you can see, we got uh, we got three of us that are going to be starting from the beginning right here. Of course, myself, Brick CBK, joined as always by BSJ. Got a, got a third co-host, I guess you could call him, on this show to help us out with some discussion. Uh, my good friend Elevated over there from Dota Alchemy. Elevated, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? I'm, good. I'm just dandy. I uh, Back home, I was in New York for a while, so just... Uh, Got a little homesick, so it's nice to be uh, back in my own place for a little while. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. talk about some dotes. Yeah, it's and uh, we, we definitely have uh, plenty to talk about. Of course, uh, last week's show, it was, it was a little bit, I don't want to say awkward, but it, hap- it was major qualifiers were still wrapping up, so we got some discussion in there. But the rest of the results we definitely plan to talk about, as well as the minor uh, qualifiers and... Uh, what came of that as well but uh figured again we'd have elevated on uh joining us not only because he's a he's a good looking guy uh, himself after all but uh he he also happened to cast a a fair amount of the matches i believe you were mainly focused on the na region right um actually for the major i was lucky enough to do the eu uh, EU, that's right yeah and i even had group b so i had like the crazy one with alliance and liquid and og and all that um so i was i was pretty blessed with those those casts and then i did a little bit of the minor um which was mostly na awesome awesome well uh, excited to have you on so th- so thank you of course uh, uh for joining us here on the show um all right so as mentioned though we uh we definitely have some some stuff to talk about and i figured we'd start strong here in the sense of Remember last week's show, I guess more so BSJ, when we're sitting here talking about, man, well, LGD, you know, they're, they're going to qualify this time, right? They're, they're, it's not going to. 
It happened again. Um, LGD, unfortunately, not uh, getting out of the open qualifiers and think it makes sense just to start with that as, of course, the big storyline of these uh, of the major results, especially that we still have to discuss. Uh, of course, the China qualifiers themselves starting a little bit later than the others due to what's going on over there. But uh, they did indeed happen. And we do have the ultimate results. But, you know, usually we'd be talking about the winners of the event. But in this case, not so much. LGD not getting out opens, losing to a team this time in a best out of three, uh, a team called Blaze, actually, which uh, has uh, one of the top female Dota players we, we came to found. Uh, Axe, I believe, was her name. Uh, AXX, an offlane player that definitely has some impressive playmaking skills and a re really cool storyline there. But uh, that, that that's another thing to discuss later on, perhaps. But, man, focusing on LGD, they made the roster change. We talked about it with Ajit uh, joining the roster in place of uh, Ame, which in itself is like, okay, a week before, whatever. They then bailed on Ajit the day before the qualifiers and, and went with another core instead. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now on who it was, but, uh, was ASD, ASD, that's right. Used to play for Ehome. Yeah, I, I believe. Yeah. So, so just to get through the story right here, then I'll let you guys get into the discussion, but, uh, they, they replaced with ASD the, the day before they go to the open qualifiers and then sure enough, they lose in the best of three. What was the deciding match to get to the closed qualifiers? So LGD once again, not competing in even the closed qualifiers of the major or the minor. Uh, quite the uh, quite the hiccup right there. So, um, I'll let me know, you know what, we'll start with you. You're our guest after all on the show. Overall thoughts on this whole LGD situation and what took place and really uh, the shame of getting eliminated. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you can call it a hiccup at this point. It seems to be getting towards where you might be able to refer to it as a trend. Um, I was actually a little bit worried when they lost that crazy series to OG back at TI-8. And then they stuck together and, you know, they looked pretty good the following season, even through TI-9. But they didn't really have, like, the same kind of magical dominance that they'd showed in TI-8. And I never thought that they looked quite um, quite as sharp. And I, you know, the, the switch of taking out Ame, I think, was probably a step in the right direction. Just because, well, he's obviously an amazing player. You know, he's always top of the leaderboard. I never really felt like he was one of those carry players that you could just like put your faith in. You know, he's my carry. Hmm. If we just give him a game, he's going to win the game. You know, like you feel that way about somebody like a miracle or Nisha from last year. It's like, if we just get this guy to a certain point, he's going to win the game for us. And I always felt like Ame was one of those guys where it would happen that way, but it almost felt like he was more prone to throwing the game than actually finishing it. And he was a win more player than a like win from behind player, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I don't want to take too much away from him as a player. Cause obviously he is very skilled, but I just think that like the, the carry pool in China is extremely shallow right now, at least, at least at the top level, you've got like Monet, you've got, um, I wouldn't even consider IG's carry necessarily like a, you know, a, a tier one carries where does that sounds it, it feels like that team is carried more by like the other players than the carry and that could just be uh an aspect of the meta that we're in right now bsj yeah. might have a bit more of better insight on that but the the chinese carries i i haven't been overtly impressed by them like i have with some of the the western ones lately 
I mean, in terms of the meta, briefly, I'll say I think it's the carry's job to carry this patch. Like, I think the fade, the safe lane, much favors the carry compared to what it used to be. Teams are much more prioritizing, yeah, I agree. Uh, like tri lanes or whatever it takes to give. They're pretty much going for off laners that don't get railed and safe laners that just free farm. Like, that's pretty much what is the meta right now. So, uh, I'd say the carry role is pretty important right now to deciding whether or not a team is uh, successful. And I think the fact that they are changing out their carry is, is making that impression right now uh, on their results. But I also think, you know, China is similar to Europe, where uh, the big difference between those regions and something like NA is really the fifth to the 15th best teams in the region. You know, in NA, it's a freaking joke. And in these regions, it's not. And so you have to remain at the top of your game to consistently beat these teams. And yep. there's clearly... For a lot of factors we've already mentioned that are just preventing them from doing just that. And, you know, last year, we, you know, we saw OG not even make it to, they had to make like top six in the last major to even qualify for TI. And we're missing out on a lot of majors just because, I mean, they had like one or two differences. Like they were missing Ana and I think temporarily someone else at some point. And I, I just, I, I say constantly that teams are dictated by their weakest player not their strongest and uh so teams that are changing one player i don't think the average player can comprehend how big of a difference that can potentially have on a team's ability to perform so uh it obviously is a bit shocking at this point but at the same time i, I think writing a ship in dota is very difficult so the fact that they fail to qualify already before this one and now it's happened again isn't uh it's it's almost like when i grew up and i learned at basketball that if you if you injure one of your knees the average player is 300 percent more likely to injure their other knee as well sometime in their career it's like if you didn't qualify once it's almost more likely they're not going to qualify again than it would have been if they had always qualified you know like a you know that kind of thing i think it's more likely to happen again than it is to happen the first time um, yeah. Once they once they break sense. like that. Once they break that. Um. Like the invincibility. Because I I feel like LGD has just been kind of like the invincible Chinese team for the last two years. Like. Yeah. Of course they're seed one. Of course they're qualifying for every land. All of a sudden they don't. All of a sudden they can't beat these teams and it's just like wait a second are we actually as good as we think we are? And that kind of happens to players individually as well. Um. I mean who knows what these players are are thinking at this point? You know. FY has been to the pinnacle almost several times now and never quite been able to do it. Maybe as well. Chalice and Xdove are a little bit less experienced, but again, it's like you get so close and then you don't make it. It's kind of like the Virtus Pro that we saw. They're like this amazing team on land and then they just get to TI and then they just look awful over yeah. and over and over again. And it, you have to believe like it just comes the mentality at some point because, you know, they switched out Ame. They got essentially the same result. So was Ame the problem? Probably not. Was Ajit the problem? Probably not. <laughs> was ASD the problem? Probably not. It's got to be something else. It's got to be like the team chemistry, the, the drafting, the coaching. Um, I haven't had enough chance to go back and look at their open qualifier games um, to see how they look. But I think we're seeing this kind of across regions now where, um, you know, 
I'm sure we'll get to this later, but Nigma, you know, a lot of these high level teams, a lot of these high level players are starting to show a little bit of weakness because it's really, really difficult to stay on top in Dota for an extended period of time. Uh, real, real quickly, before we continue on BSJ, I think your webcam mic is being used. Um, oh, is it crap yeah. quality right now? God, yeah. I hate how it does that. It, you, we, we could understand you, but it was, uh, it is clearly uh, not good. I mic, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so, so to continue on the conversation, it, but there really is a couple of things to look at. I feel like with this whole LGD situation, it's, it's not only the idea that does something else need to change. And I think that's certainly still a standing argument as you're bringing up. But my, my biggest issue with this was not the idea that something needed to change as good of a player on me was I'm fine with them trying somebody new, but they've had so much time. They, they've had a lot of time here, not qualifying for the last cycle of events on top of obviously taking the quote unquote break from the first cycle. What, why did they just suddenly a week before these qualifiers decide, okay, let's change our carry player and then to make it even 10 times worse, change it the day before after I heard rumors that apparently they lost like 19 of 20 scrims or something like that uh, with Ajit. And that's why they made the last minute change. But be it that the case or not, they had so much time before that to figure this out, in my opinion. So, so the, the timing of the change is what I'm most concerned about when it comes to the team. Again, we don't necessarily know the ultimate reason, probably never will in the end. But uh, I really think for such a high-tier organization such as LGD, with the backing of somebody like PSG especially, and the recent success that they've had these last couple of years, it, that, that to me came off the most, like, what are you guys doing? So, um when I saw them lost in the open qualifiers, just like everyone else, it was shocking. But at the same time, it's almost not because it goes back to the points that you guys are both bringing up. I mean, the, this is an ever-evolving game. Dota 2 is. There's no secret there. And we did just have a bigger patch recently. So, you know, what have you done for me lately is the uh, is the tagline that is constantly used, and I think for good reason. So LGD right now is clearly uh, there is something going on. You know, will they stick with this roster? Maybe. We'll see. But I, I think you have to just... Now they once again have this break. If they're gonna if they're gonna make more changes, they have to do it now or in the next couple of weeks. Not wait till the last minute once again uh, before the set qualifiers start. So we're now gonna take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports and esports. March Madness, the Masters, Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part, when you sign up, you receive 50% a welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night. We can't think of a better way to wager on that fight than doing it with actual free money. Head on over to betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's super easy, and if you're already into sports and esports betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Is my mic better? It, yes, oh, yeah. it's a lot better now. Okay, can I be very clear about okay. how much I hate technology? Brief rant. <laughs> I went into my mic settings, and it said this mic. All I did was go to the scroll down menu and select what was already shown and then to be switched. selected, and it switched. I, 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 I hate like Discord, streaming issues man. when people are like, you know, your mic's bad or you know, donations are off. I'm like, I didn't touch a thing, and Don't I'll just like, that? like it literally says that my donations are on, and I'll just go off on, and it, <laughs> and it works. And I'm like, 
what you know I, whatever it's just like plugging in a usb cable into something you, you go to plug it in it doesn't work you turn it upside down you plug it in the other way and that doesn't work and you're like wait a second you turn it back the other way and it's like oh now it works like what yeah. how why this doesn't make sense uh, i i know i'm like detracting from the lgd conversation but holy moly i'm like if it had said my webcam mic i'd be like okay i get it my computer like automatically swapped to the webcam mic or whatever but like yeah. it actually said this mic so whatever i that's right. my pro, pro gamer, okay. by the way. Here we go. We'll segue back in. Now, <laughs> LGD will just trade because they're both CDEC and LGD are both technically under the same ownership. So they're just going to bring Ame back in, plug him back in. Boom. Oh, all yeah. of a sudden, major qualification in cycle number four. It's bold predictions there. That's, uh, you uh, know I what? Mean, I, would, I don't doubt something like that. I mean, you talk about how long they have to prepare. Like, I, I can just say that in Dota, man, I think the hardest part about Dota is when something's wrong, ah, it's just like a tech problem, actually. It's like <laughs> you have to like uh, just theory craft what is wrong, and it, it's trial and error. Like there's so much that can go wrong in Dota that when you're not winning, identifying the problem is so difficult mm-hmm. that sometimes it just doesn't work. Like you, you are trying things, and – uh, like sometimes the pieces just all come together and it works almost immediately. It's just, it really is a lot like technology after my rant of, you know, annoyingness of technology where sometimes it gets an instant fix and sometimes you spend weeks just searching and you can't find it. And um, I really do believe that about Dota. And so it's kind of like, I hear your perspective of like, God, they've had a long time. And it's like, I agree with you. But at the same time, uh, you know, Going back to my statistics lesson in uh, in college, this will be my Nahaz bit here, uh, that I remember learning about a theorem. I don't remember what it was called, but there's a theorem that once you buy something like technology-based, that if it works three years from now, every day it's equally likely to break. So like if it's lasted three years without breaking – it's just as likely to break on that day that it's three years old than it is to have broken on the first day you got it. And so it's like some, a team is equally likely every day to fix their problem. It's just a matter of how long it takes to finally figure out what went wrong. Like that's how I view Dota. Like I, for me as a player, there are some times where like something feels off to me and I'm not winning my pubs. I'm not being successful and I'll be like, I think it's this. And then like two days later, everything's back on track. But then sometimes I go through slumps where a month or two long, I just keep losing. And I'm like, you know, what am I doing wrong? And I just can't figure it out. And I just think that that really does apply with these teams, that it's just really no surprise that there's teams with heavy momentum. And like uh, Elevated said that, you know, if you're the king and you remain that way, it's like if everything's going right, you just all you have to do is keep doing the same thing um that's not exactly for it. you know that's much easier to do than it is to change things and figure out what's wrong um and when i look at these lg teams it's just like you can tell man they're scrambling to figure out what the hell's wrong but i just think dota is way too complicated of a dynamic on a team to ever have a formulaic way to fix so a there, there's no right answer there, there is no like read a book, find the right answer kind of thing. Every yeah. team's going to have a different right answer. And it's found almost by, you know, hard work combined with luck where you just stumble upon the right answer after working hard enough to find it. Like, there's there's it, steps you can take, though, to help you get towards 
the right I mean, answer or whatever you want to say. However you want to. And sometimes it. they're not doing that either. And yeah. that, like you said, behind the scenes, there could be all types of things where maybe the organization or the players mentally kind of, you know, elevator talked about maybe these players are not mentally in the right place to do what it takes to write a sinking ship, right? Like that, that could be the problem as well. And that's why as these, you know, in this podcast and talking about it, you know, it's what is surprising to me about you is that you're surprised that they had this long and they didn't fix it. I'm like, (laughs) I'm, I'm, I just am so skeptical of the ability to fix problems in Dota that if a team is continuously having problems, I kind of just go, well, I can only imagine what is is happening within within the team. So it's like, yeah. for me, it's no surprise when teams go through extended struggles. It's, it's I would like, almost put a countdown clock on how long it takes for them to like blow up the roster at this point. Yeah, I, I, There's I, two I, cycles I, left, so... They, they still have time, but it, you'd figure, yeah, I mean, they have to qualify for the next cycle, right? Like, they can't just not qualify for the next cycle and still act like that things are okay. So, Agreed. I guess, yeah, to your point. I'd say the last, I think the last cycle, or the next cycle will be the, the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever you call it, where, you know, if they don't qualify, they're done. It might even be before that, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this this could have been it for all we know. It, and as it, yeah, maybe, maybe that clock is is up already and, Stuff's going on behind the scenes, but you know it's China Dota scene, especially player changes certainly happen, and kind of out of nowhere it feels like sometimes with the transa- transactions, almost all the players. We talked about that on last week's show when they first made the change with Ajit. Um, so there are bound to be potential changes out there, but um, we'll wait and see for LGD. But I think uh, we cover we cover that topic uh, enough here. It's just yeah, it, it is crazy seeing the downfall in that sense, but. You know, it, hopefully for their sake that they can figure it out. Um, but the, the one last thing, I guess, kind of a transition and talking about now the China qualifiers and how they finished up here. Um, let's not forget, this is Vici Gaming took took a break. They they were not in these China qualifiers. So yet another co- compounding reason as to where, man, it really sucks that LGD did not qualify. At least give themselves a chance, knowing that one of the top teams in the world wasn't even playing uh, in their, their close qualifiers there. So... That's the case, though. Uh, speaking of that, the three teams that did end up qualifying, you had Invictus Gaming, Royal Never Give Up, and E-Home were the three teams that ultimately uh, took home the title right there. Aster coming up just short as they uh, lost to both Invictus Gaming and E-Home in the uh, quote-unquote playoff stage there uh, themselves. So uh, the, the three teams that going on again, Vichy Gaming not participating uh, but those were the three, IGRNG and E-Home. So you guys' thoughts on uh, the China teams that did end up qualifying there? BSJ, start with you. I'll just say IG, VG seem like the dominant teams. So other than those two, obviously VG not playing and IG qualifying. I think the 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 other components, like the three to seventh teams, have, have been pretty consistent. So it's not really surprising. Like uh, E-Home, RNG uh, have both been consistently either going to the minor or major. So... Uh, or at least being very close to the minor. And so that puts them in my top seven or eight. And I think I've, I've emphasized that my view of China is that the top eight teams are all contenders. Um, there's just the two dominant teams. And since one of them's out, you know, I'm just, it's just a matter of what other two do qualify. Mm-hmm. Elevated? No yeah, major surprise there. I tend to agree. Uh, it really has been RNG and E-Home is like that, like, they're like the shelf right below being able to go to the major every single time. And I think that they're both, you know, a, consistently ehome's like consistently inconsistent they're good at times where they could take a game off of of 
off of Vichy, but they don't seem to be able to like like put these drafts together on a regular basis that are top tier. RNG, I think they looked really good at the last minor. Obviously, they got to the grand finals and lost to Enigma. Uh, but that shows that they're a, a pretty close to top tier team. And so without Vici there, it makes sense that they make it. I did want to say, though, that if you look at the rest of the teams in the Chinese region, it's insane that you have like four other teams with essentially full rosters of people without Wikipedia profiles or Liquipedia <laughs> profiles. And it's just like, who are these guys? How do they have so much talent to bring up through the region? Where is this in the other regions in Dota? But it's cool to see as well because there's just so much like new blood at least coming into their scene. Yeah, for such a dominant scene specifically, it's I, I, I definitely agree with you there. And uh, it goes back to Blaze, in fact, being one of those teams. Now they ended up getting last place in their group. Again, no surprise there. They came for the open qualifiers, but again, Axe, a female player, and. Uh, Definitely uh, a, a cool storyline to follow there, but we'll see if we see them more in the future themselves. But yeah, Avengirls, Girls, Avon Girls, I guess you pronounce it, look for Smile, a couple of these other teams that, yeah, haven't heard of before. No profiles, don't really know much about them, but certainly uh, cool to see that new blood. But kind of going back to BSJ's point as well, when it comes to the major, this this, this does feel like one of the first big-time tournaments where... The China representation in general just is a bit underwhelming. Um, and, you know, obviously Vichy Gaming sitting out definitely has a part to do with that. Of course, there's the fact that LGD didn't even qualify for the qualifiers. Uh, but, yeah, other than IG, I, I don't personally see a team like RNG or Ehome uh, going the distance or doing too well at the major itself. Uh, certainly a roster is there to potentially do well. But, um, again, the overall picture, it just something about it feels like it, it is underwhelming. Uh, in the big picture when it comes to the representation that we're used to seeing at these uh, at these bigger events out of China. So, <sighs> all right, those are the three teams, though. Uh, moving on here, another uh, fun storyline to follow, of course, well, the European region, Elevated, you mentioned. This is a region that you happen to uh, get the chance to cast uh, bits and pieces of it. We got the uh, two teams that qualified initially. No shockers there in that Secret and OG were actually the first two teams. I believe they, yeah, we talked about the last week's show even. But uh, the, maybe the little surprising, I'm going to admit, I'll be the first one to say, very surprising to me. But NIP, the third team, ultimately qualifying for the European region. Of course, making those roster changes before the event. DeHawk joining as a new core player. Um, Lelis as well on the roster out of the out of Brazil coming over to the European region. Clearly it clicked though. It clicked pretty quickly and arguably, not even arguably, the toughest region when it comes to these qualifiers, I think it's safe to say. And uh, they end up getting that third and final spot to the major. So our boys ninjas in pajamas. BSJ, what's your thoughts there? I mean, nobody ever doubted Universe and PPD uh, as players. So the fact that the beginning of the season, they were trying with three players, and they've at this point kicked all three. I mean, Biver even qualified. I mean, not to spoil for later portions, but he qualified playing for Chaos in the NA region. So clearly, that team has good players. It just boiled down to lack of good chemistry or whatever. Um, you know, I heard that there were personality problems between them and, and Skeeter um, initially, and then I don't think Gunner's a carry player. That's my personal opinion on him, and I. I you know, sometimes I find myself just being incredibly redundant, but I judge teams based on their weakest link. And if you have one weak link, that can make all the difference. So if they replace those weak links, that's good enough for me to believe in a captain like PPD. Like, clearly, he's a capable captain. He's proved it year and year again, even if uh, 
even if, uh, you know, last year, for instance, he wasn't all that successful as well as the year before with Optic, like he still made TI, <laughs> you know, it's not like uh, those were failure years. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I also think Alliance and Liquid fall into my category of very solid teams that are not unbeatable. And so if a team assembles itself, they're quite beatable. And I think when it comes to Europe and China, you know, here I go saying the same shit again. The quality of teams that are third to eighth is very high. So for teams like Alliance and Liquid and Enigma to not make it to the major is just not that surprising to me at all. And I don't even view those teams like lowly because they didn't make it. I think Secret's the only reliably good enough team that I think will always make it. And then you obviously add OG back to the mix, who are freaking insane. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. at that point, like as long as OG performs the way that we expect them to, I yeah. think you're vying for four pretty damn good teams to get a third slot. You know, like yep. one of them's going to get it. You're saying and... EU might need more slots. <laughs> But I mean, I said that last that, week, too, yeah. you know, like, look at the, I agree. Know, <laughs> look at the teams in North America that didn't make the cut. And then we look at the teams in EU that didn't make the cut. You know, there's a slight difference in the quality. Zolotl, liquid, I mean, kind yeah. of the same. <laughs> it's a wish wash, you know, it's understandable that it's close and, you know, Valve, it's a judgment call. All right. Yeah, we, we, we we've definitely have done that discussion before, though. Uh, Elevated, yeah. yeah, your thoughts on NIP. Uh, before I get into it, I just want to say thank you, BSJ, for last week calling out the NA region because, let's be honest, it's garbage. It's probably it's the terrible. worst region in all of Dota at this point. It's an embarrassing. Like, their competitiveness. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not good. It's really bad. But anyway, I mean, yeah. we'll go on to our other NA team, which is Ninjas in Pajamas. And uh, I actually... That I saw them. The I think they were the first series that I cast. One of the two. They're the first time that I got to see the new OG play. Okay. Um, and OG smashed Alliance. Like, okay, so it was the second series that I cast of OG. OG smashed Alliance, and then um, NIP played against them, and they smashed NIP in game one. Um, and then they tried to do the exact same thing in game two, where it was just like this, you know, OG style. They're like diving your tier three at 12 minutes and people just don't seem to be able to not play OG's game. Uh, But I saw NIP play OG's game for about 15 minutes and then there was like this very distinct shift where all of a sudden they were just like completely pulling OG apart. They almost started to come back into the game. And I could see that PPD's captaining and just like the discipline of the players and trusting the calls was there. And at that point, I knew that they were going to be pretty good in the qualifiers. And I think that the additions of the Hawk and Lelis in particular are really big deals for them because we saw Lelis essentially carry Beast Coast at the last major, and we've seen the Hawk have extremely good performances back on Gambit. So now, um, and I actually can't take anything away from Tanner either. Like he carried Viking GG last qualifiers and and beat uh, several good teams mostly off the back of his good play and decision-making. So I think that PPD now has three uh, three cores, all of which are hungry, because none of them have ever won anything like significant, um, really significant, that is. Hmm. And they are all players that you could potentially put the fate of the game in and trust them to do their job. Um, and I don't think that they had that with their previous iteration of the roster. So I'm really excited to see what Ninjas and Pajamas evolves into as the season goes on. And I think that they have the potential to vie for like that second or third spot 
in Europe, obviously, I would say Team Secret and OG looked miles above everybody else in the qualifier. But I don't think that NIP is as far behind um, as a lot of people think they are. Yeah, I... I, I don't know if I'm on, I'm personally on that bandwagon yet of believing that NIP is now arguably even the third best team in the European region. I I, I don't expect this to translate into the major. And my, my my biggest logic for that is, one, they're still a newer roster together. I, I do like your point about hungry core players that maybe haven't had the most success themselves individually, but all coming together on a great leadership. Sure, that is a formula for a very, very good team. But I mean, I do look at the journey they took. And yes, even though they might have had a good game against OG, they still lost that series to nothing. They didn't have any very overwhelming, impressive victories other than the Alliance series, in my opinion. They did play Alliance in the group stages. They did 2 nothing them. And, of course, Alliance is a very, very solid team themselves. They did then beat Liquid in a best-of-one tiebreaker match to then get to the playoff stage. So, yes, they deserved it. I'm not calling it a fluke by any means, but I'm also looking at the results and where they were had in not going to go overboard just yet in terms of okay you know this to me is truly the third best team in the european region certainly though the roster does speak for it being being a, a good one down the line um but yeah I, I guess i guess that's my ultimate point right there again the fact that they all had to defeat a team in aggressive mode to get to the actual major that i mean that's more credit to aggressive mode frankly than anything but um, Credit to the seeding of this tournament and the grouping. Yeah. <laughs> I like, guess there's that part of it too, I suppose. Yeah. Group A, like what is this compared to Group B? I I was baffled when I saw these two groups come out. True. I mean, again, to the credit, you're dealing with the NIP. I think it, a lot of it comes back to NIP team. That's been very disappointing the first two cycles, and that's why they were part of that Group B. But obviously, in hindsight, yeah, it, it does seem like it was a pretty overpowered Group B right there. Looking back at that too, so. Um, yeah, as always, I do definitely wish PPD the best of luck and certainly think the, the potentials there, but, um, that, that's what I have to say about that though. So I, I do want to just say one last thing, which is that, you know, me, uh, I'm always talking about like mentality and like what it takes to perform under pressure. And I saw NIP win a BO one. I saw them 2-0 Alliance when they had to 2-0 Alliance to get that spot and get the opportunity to go into the tiebreaker. So that, to me, speaks pretty highly of them being able to, you know, clutch it when they have to. And a lot of these other teams seem to crumble under pressure. So just wanted to throw that out there. It's, that, it's something that, that is important to pay attention to. That is opinion. fair. I do remember sitting, watching that Liquid OG series, and Liquid took the first game, and, you know, that basically meant, as you're pointing out, that, yeah, NIP had a 2 nothing alliance, and I, I'm, I went into that series as a Liquid fan. It's been stated before. Um, pretty confident that Liquid was going to be moving on, but you're right. NIP did take care of business there with the pressure, and uh, then they, they did win that tiebreaker match. So, yeah, maybe I am underselling them in the end, but... Um, Okay, we'll, we'll see how they how they do with the major. Uh, still need a little bit more evidence, personally, but it does feel like they... I, I've always liked to hawk. I will say that, going back to Gambit last season, I, they were a fun team to follow and watch. A disappointing finish to the end of the season, but uh, he is certainly a great carry player. So. Okay, I'll so, also just briefly yeah. state that just what you're saying, where they have to win a 2-0 and then win a best-of-one to make it to the playoffs, where three teams make it and only four teams make it to the playoffs, I think that speaks heavily about the 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 what do you call it uh the tumultual tumultual tumultuousness <laughs> i have no clue what you're <laughs> yeah tumultuousness uh the volatility sure. 
Thing. Um, I know the that structure? word. Structure. Yes. Volatil tumultuous is a word. I just wasn't sure if tumultuousness. Tumultuous. I'm googling that after this. <laughs> Making a loud. But the volatility of voice. the structure in place speaks even more heaps and bounds about how one best of two can decide what team goes to the major. So, like to have a team like Alliance and Liquid just make nothing, you know, or to make not the major. I guess uh, in this case, you know, Alliance made the made the minor, but it's you know. Uh, that just speaks heaps of bounds about the, I, I don't like the structure right now. You know, I think at least six teams, if there's three spots, should go to the playoffs. Then you know have the, the the two top teams get a bye, and then have the uh, other four you know have to play a, a, a coming uh, like the two versus the three of each group. I, I think that's structure. I I look at that and I just sometimes say, what the hell would, was the person organizing this thinking? Like third place gets no chance and three out of four teams qualify like what the hell is the group stage meant to be that important i don't i don't think it should be that way but, yeah you know, we, we, that's a whole nother we've already slightly discussed the i was gonna the, say the yeah format. it's so no redundancy past that well yeah it's it, yeah <laughs> like we, we have already discussed that but it, it is I'm just googling tumultuous it, uh, well, I hear tumultuous tumultuous yeah i just had a play on the stream there okay so it is a word making a loud confused noise that's uh Excited, confused, or disorderly, apparently, too. So it's a new word for me. Um, <laughs> anywho, but yeah, the, the format certainly needs some changing, especially in these more populated regions that, that there is more competition. So, But uh, something tells me we may not see that this season. It goes back into the whole discussion about the next season, and well, we already kind of know about that, too. But um, going over the other regions, again, I don't want to spend too much time here, necessarily. Th those were the bigger storylines, certainly, of the rest of the major qualifiers. But uh, at a CIS, you had Navi and VP. I, I t again, a little bit to my surprise, just because the the CIS region tends to be a little bit um, chaotic, as a, as a word I like to use in terms of the teams that ultimately do qualify and how they do. Uh, I was maybe going with Hellraisers, I believe. I went with the Navi, but oh, VP does sneak through once again, and uh, they are going to be representing CIS. So not too much uh, again to be said, but uh, give yourselves a chance. Any uh, thoughts on those two teams elevated? Um, I th I like navi i like the story of navi i mean they got kind of screwed over by zayas leaving them at the last second they picked up sima who seems to be like this you know he's just like the journeyman support player you throw him in the <laughs> five throw him in the four he kind of pulls the team together and does his job in that spot uh he's always around the scene so it does speak to the other four players on their team being very high level um just because you know Losing a four player who tends to be the catalyst for for action in Dota, at least in like the early stages of the game, is a pretty big deal. And uh, I like that they were able to persevere through that. You know, not the most difficult group or the most difficult qualifier, I guess, but I think Navi is is starting to trend in the right direction. Uh, this is like the second major in a row they made, yeah. um, and they they seem to be potentially the best cis team at least when it comes to like interregional play yeah right now so far in the season sure yeah i called those two teams out of the four making it so you know i'll just uh, say no surprise from me here you know I, I i just thought that the other two teams weren't solid enough uh even though vp isn't amazing uh, i agree with you that navi is probably the best team but i think vp still just got very solid players and that's hard to overcome in qualifiers i think like when the other team's individual players are just better than you i, I think that's very hard to overcome unless you're a very good 
team unit, you know, like unless you have a drastic team element that's making up for it. And a lot of these teams are kind of just coming together. You know, they're not exactly four year old teams or something, you know? Uh, so just hard to, hard to have that Trump card when VP has got a bunch of all-stars on their team, even if they're not the best so far. It, it, Every time I look at that VP roster, I, it kind of reminds myself that that's right. They have resolution as their offlaner. It's, it's something about that still feels so weird. But hey, what well, we've been seeing more recently with, of course, Ramsey's success in the offlane. And um, we've had a couple others come about as well with mid one. Most recent, of course, with OG, we talked about that. It seems like that is becoming more and more of a trend. So um, clearly, again, yeah, working out for them enough getting to the major. We'll see how they do. But those two teams representing CIS. Uh, going to the Southeast Asia region, of course, they're the ones that had the uh, interesting, uh, I keep saying the word interesting, but unfortunate, I think it's a better word here in this case, where Adroid had the internet issues, they had to forfeit their initial match against Fnatic, but uh, came back strong in the third place match, and they ended up winning, they got to the land set of the next day, they played from it, and they made it work, so that, that's a fun storyline to me, uh, the fact that a team in Adroit you know, persevered, you could say, through dealing with those internet issues and defeating IO Dota 2, which, again, it was a solid roster, certainly. They came from the open qualifiers, but Miracle, Ohio, Bimbo, Ben-Hur, and Mushi, definitely uh, definitely nothing to scoff at there. So uh, congrats to Adroit, though, joining Fnatic and GeekFam, of course, in the, uh, in the major there. But, uh, yeah, any quick thoughts there? Who? Me? Oh, Elevator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if that would work. Okay. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I think that it's it's good to see more teams than just like the TNCs and Fanatics being near the top of this region because it, it does seem like the SEA region has like an insane amount of talent. They obviously have, I would say, are they like the third most populated server after China and, and like the European region, I guess. But there's like ridiculous amounts of talent. You know, they're starting to spread out. We've got mid one going to Europe. We've got just like constant high level carry and um, and mid players, it seems like being drafted into Chinese teams now, like especially the Malaysian guys. And so the region has so much potential. So I'm glad to see a team that has no, you know, former big name players on it really in Edroit making it to the major. Um, and this is, again, like a consistently second good performance for them. Geek fam looked quite good making it to the minor last time and you know with raven on carry and then several other players cuckoo as well of course uh several other players that have been around the scene but never had that much success it's it's good to see the rise of more high level teams in sea and i did just want to say like tnc predator i mean who knows what's going on i it just kind of feels like this team maybe just doesn't care because they're already going to ti yeah, I we 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 have discussed it before. Again, I, I I've made the opinion several times that I I don't expect the uh, highest of them past that first major they won, and there's a there's a multitude of reasons for that not to get in too much. But um, I I feel like they're almost at the point where they they they, they I don't want to say they should take a break, but they may want to think about that for cycle four just to really refresh going strong in the finishing the season. Cause yeah, it feels like they have gone downhill certainly as the uh, season has gone on here, but uh, yeah, BSJ, any thoughts on the SEA? You know, I think uh tribute to geek fam, uh, you know, they've, they've watched the podcast. They've learned the secrets to qualifying to majors. You know, you kick your one in a player and you got it. So uh, that's uh 
secret to success for for any team out there. The less NA players you have, the more likely you are to uh, brutal to be successful. So, no. <laughs> All things to say, like I've I've heard a lot of things about the SEA region in terms of toxicity, but not once have I heard about the SA region like not being good or not trying. And I think in pubs, like that's what it takes for these mid player, like these mid tier players that aren't quite pro to get better. And you know that was something I was going to say about the China region. I hear their pubs are great and. Even if SEA is incredibly toxic, I've heard that the quality of competition in the pubs is very high. And that's why I think these players out of these regions are promising. And, uh, you know, all you need is a little bit of direction, maybe just one captain. You know, I don't know too much about Adroit. I have watched them, but like I have, I don't know too much about the inner dynamics of their players or anything. Um, but I think it's just bound to happen in these regions that, uh, it's eventually like these players are getting very good experience in these pubs. Eventually they're going to be good enough to uh, uh, like overcome the TNCs that are not in peak form. So it's cool to see. I agree that it's very nice to see a little mix up in this region because it gets a little bit tiring to see the same teams, especially when you express doubt about their, about their skill level. I think you've mentioned once or twice, like you said that uh, you don't think TNC is all that great. Yeah, just, no, just, no one likes to see Fnatic and TNC come to a major and then just get bottom four like over and over. Oh, that, uh, <laughs> I actually don't, you know, that's a whole other topic, but that is true. I, it, it, I, I hope for these teams that they don't get bottom four. Maybe they can pull a Beast Coast where, you know, they crack yeah. into the top six or top eight. You know, that, that'd be, that's what I'd love to see from one of these teams. You know, I think that's very good indication for the future for them if they're able to do that. All right, so Fnatic, uh, Geek Fam, and Adroit, the three teams. Again, out of Southeast Asia, that will be going. Uh, that leaves us, uh, which we've already kind of commented on, commented on even, uh, the North America region. Very good. No. Uh, the top two teams, you got <laughs> Evil Geniuses and Chaos. Again, th this kind of played out perhaps the, even the most expected of any region, and I think that is more telling as to far as, as far as uh, – how BSJ has been so eloquently putting it. Uh, this region is not the greatest right now. So, uh, But EG and Chaos going on. You have uh, Business Associates and Fighting Pandas dropping out of the minor qualifiers uh, themselves. And then uh, who did qualify out of the minors? That was uh, Business Associates. Business it's associates. all the teams we expected. It's the yeah. worst yeah. complete trash that so. you know got to the got to the minor and the major. It's nice to know in NA at least the you have some job security as a tier two, tier three team because <laughs> you will make it to a minor or a major uh, because of the slots allotted. Uh, the only shocker, or not shocker, but the only thing up in the air for me in this qualifier was if it was going to be business associates, chaos, or. Um, fighting pandas that took the second major spot and sure, yeah. I, I had i had chaos favored but i i did think that was like not 100 percent, and i that showed in the qualifiers you know they didn't in no means did they clean sweep um either series i think business associates honestly kind of threw the series against chaos um at least the first one i saw them play they lost 2-1 but it felt like both games or all three games whatever team was winning lost like they just threw the game um but it does make entertaining Dota. So, you know, if you like watching pub-esque type Dota that an average viewer can kind of relate to, uh, the NA region is great for that. So when you get uh, the Grand Grant cast. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. The Grand Grant cast is great. I thoroughly enjoyed watching these games. You know, the chat's given a lot of Omega lols and, and uh, <laughs> foreheads, but it's 
you know, at, at the end of the day, it, you know, I already made my comments. No shockers about. No, please tell us qualified. again. <laughs> Looking forward to EG getting second or third place in, in the major. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of at this point now where I'm starting to look at the NA region as like the SA region from a couple of years ago. Yeah, where it's like it's it like is. a good thing that we have a second slot because otherwise nobody else would get competitive experience in an international land environment and we saw what that did for sa like they eventually elevated themselves a bit and have started to be a bit more competitive in the uh you know the global scene that being said i feel like the players in na that keep getting these shots have been the players that have been getting this shot for the last like four years now so yeah it it is a little bit disheartening to just see like the same nine or ten players just kind of shuffle, come together in a team, consistently perform underneath EG's standard. And I, I don't really know what there is else to say about NA other than like, I, I guess people need to try a little bit harder. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, like when you're playing top 100 games, I had Arteezy the other day as the enemy safe laner. And, or maybe he's on my team, I don't remember. But he specifically was like, you know, I play in the Europe region and I'm playing against, you know, two like Enchantress Clockwork Offlane. I come to NA and I'm playing against Pudge Pangolier and right. free farming. You know, it's like the quality of pubs is the reason why the same players keep getting these spots and all all harp on that. Like you play eight NA games, maybe one of them has both teams trying to the bitter end. Maybe yep. one. Like it's pathetic. Yeah, yeah, I got. I'm not like you know. I'm a part of this region, and there's a lot of things I do wrong as a player. But the one thing I don't do is just fucking give up at at ten minutes into the game. And yep. it, it it happens. Like if you watch any streams at all, it's even promoted. Not gonna call anyone out here. It's even promoted by streamers that it's cool. So you know, uh, I just it's such a toxic mentality, and it is you know it is not some fucking top secret formula of why NA has the same exact players you know, cycling through on these tier two, tier three teams, getting right. the same opportunities. And yeah, I, I want us to get a rude wake up call. I want people to like, I think we've gotten soft. I think we've gotten complacent. Take away uh, our slot. One please, slot. Honestly. <laughs> what motivate teams like business associates and pandas to actually have to beat each other rather than zoomies uh, to make it to a minor. So, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I never really, I mean, I, I know I, I've thought about this before, but since, since you brought it up, Elevated, the idea that these last three to four years, especially the cycling of the same players, it, it, you compare it to any other region, it does feel like the talent is the most similar to what it was, again, three to four years ago than, than what we have now. And one of the only names that can come to mind that, that maybe really has risen the ranks in just these last couple of years is Quinn, CCNC. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, because he was the number one player on the ladder. And notably, of course, you're, you're going to get noticed there. And two, PPD took the, took the jump. He took the risk of picking him up for his team and trying him out. And PPD is notorious for doing that. And he's one of the few captains, especially out of NA, that is willing to do that, it feels like. So... Um, and now you have, again, PPD himself, he's back in the European region. So, it, 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 yeah, the cycling of the same players, I do think, is one amongst several other issues that you have pointed out, certainly, uh, that it needs to it needs to be fixed some way, somehow. And, yeah, taking away slots, it, it does feel like that could be that, that, that wake-up call, certainly. Um, 
it's man BSJ I remember at the beginning of the season and I think for good reason we're sitting here arguing because they got three major slots in the first cycle and we're sitting here like you know they deserve this this feels pretty good but and at the time it did it felt appropriate but as the season has gone on it's it's certainly uh it's funny how things can change I suppose. Yeah, I just I just can't believe that you can play top 100 games and have them be as much of a joke as they are. Like it's actually at this point because I've I've started recently taking it seriously again. You know, I was like 7100 MMR at the start of January, and I decided to very much try. Um, and I'm back to I was at 8200 on my on my main account, and it doesn't matter how high you go. Like it just doesn't matter. You're at the very top. I'm in a top fucking 50 game. Excuse my language. I was in a top 50 game. And I can't rely on it more than a 25% chance to actually be a real game. Like, I, and yep. it's a, it, it's just a matter of if everyone in the region or everyone in the world's playing eight to 10 hours a day and they're getting eight good pubs and I'm getting one or two, they're going to be better. And it's not like an excuse for our region. It's like, it's a yep. collective. It is a collective problem that no single player can overcome and that's why all the players with any amount of promise just leave. Like they, you know, like they, they know that if they continue playing here, they're naturally going to fall behind. And, you know, PPD even said like NIP as a decision. The reason why, if you weren't there for that, the reason why they went to EU is they're like, even if we qualify for majors and minors from NA, that doesn't make us any better. Like it doesn't <laughs> yeah, help. We us won't get better as a team. Yeah. And it's like, yep. at the end of the day, getting last place or bottom four at, at a major gets you like, two thousand dollars each you know and if you're not sponsored like what does that actually accomplish like it doesn't matter in dota to be really that, that caliber of a team you have to achieve more than that to make it worth your while so uh yeah. the fact that all these captains and players are just jumping ship it, it speaks more and more to people are just giving up and i wonder at what point is this region just permanently the laughing stock like what if one day eg decided to leave what if? Oh my God! You know, like, like what if? Right? Like yeah. at this point, they don't even have any players. I was you know, gonna they say they have Ortiz. They have Ortiz. Right. Like, yeah. like you know, but what if? You know, at that point, they could play. We literally have nothing. You know, like you know, like we have chaos because they're mostly an A players, and uh, you know, I like, mean, it may not, take that honestly. Like yeah. it's it really is just unbelievable how and. I haven't gotten the opportunity to play like Europe or China or SCA pubs, but I'm tempted almost just to queue on super high ping just to have like the, the, the contrast, because like you said, the fact that you have maybe like a 10% chance to actually finish your game with everybody trying the whole time is it's like, why, why are people even queuing for games in NA? Because it's literally like, if you win the laning stage, the other team will give up. If you lose the laning stage, your team will give up. Nobody in North America, other than maybe like the top 20 players in the region, understands how to play the game from behind. And I just don't understand how you can play Dota on like a high level without the concept that sometimes your game is not going to be perfect. Like, <laughs> what is this? It's a competitive game. People are trying to beat you. Why is there no understanding that sometimes you can't have a perfect game every time? It's not all about you. It's about you doing your job. And if you can't do your job from behind then you're not a good enough player to make it. Like, it's that simple. How can you watch OG win two TIs where they're behind in the laning stage behind 90% the of time. games <laughs> and they are winning TIs two in a row? Like, that for me is enough to be like, you know, 
what oh, more shit. proof of concept do you need that exactly. the hardest thing in Dota is to know how to play a game that takes some serious thinking, like to actually figure out a way back into the game. The games that shock me the most in NA are the ones where I'm like, wait a minute, we're losing and my team is running at them trying to kill them? Like, actually? You know, like, what? <laughs> you know, like, most of the time, people just farm their way to a loss. You know, they're like, I'm fucking done. My safe laner sucks, you know, when he yeah. when he's against Enchantress uh plus one when that's like a nightmare and it's like yeah they lost their safe lane what do you expect when i play enchanters i win the off lane 95 percent of the time like what do you expect that your safe laner to have happen to them like that's the meta right now and then like last patch when it was you know uh easier to play off lane and but then you lost your off lane in a matchup that was clearly bad people are just like oh my off lane lost you know like gg i don't want to play anymore and it's like uh i mean trust me i know Brittany's heard me talk about this and you're you know you're you're standing in for us but I, you know, it is a problem that is subject to our culture and yeah. uh, it, it it's just sad. And I, I <laughs> hope the league system next year somehow promotes interregional play and requires you to actually compete with other regions in some way to to really put na in their place man because uh, like the minute you branch out of na like any high level pub player you know i'm not going to name names if they go to other regions they get laughed at like when they are playing and people are like wow you're so freaking bad like you know what and uh like that that just i hate to be a part of it you know it's kind of like a but it's like i don't have a choice unless i were to move and viewers ask me that and part of me is almost considering you know at what point do i willingly try to move somewhere just for a few months or something and give it a try because i've tried it you eu pubs and my problem was that against really good players i'm on 100 ping and they're on 10 right. i just can't it's win hard. the lane you know I, i'm yeah. just gonna lose favorable matchups and albeit like at what point though is that a better option and i think players like gunner are saying in snaking i've seen those two specifically play a lot of eu they're just like I don't care. Like I'd rather get, you know, better practice in a game where I know I'm not playing to my full potential than it is to have good ping. Cause what, what, that, 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 go ahead. Just kind of a side thing from that. One of the best players in Han, uh, not to go too off topic here, but he was from Australia. He constantly played with 250 plus MS just That's because crazy, j- just way. because he had to but he was yeah. one of the best players ever his name was slicks and it was one of those situations where when he did end up qualifying for land you could just tell the, the boost that you saw from that like the fact that he's Freaking able to act, react instantly <laughs> and it, it was it was something to watch but yeah it, it's one of those if you kind of just train yourself to to deal with that latency then it, it is doable it's not ideal but i i wouldn't be surprised to see more and more players take that approach like you're saying with gunner and uh, snaking specifically i mean what it ends up being is that there's just something things that are unovercomable like if i'm if me and a guy are both pump faking for a cs and he has 10 ping and i have 70 he's going to get it 80 percent of the time yeah. like that's yep. that's the kind of thing that is um what i've like i just got done playing in new york on 15 ping for a month and it's day and night between you know anywhere between 70 to 100 and 10 like you know it is day and night and um but like i, I just emphasize you know it it, at what point you know you, you just have to make the you have to tank something you know it either has to be bad ping or bad games and uh, a lot of these players are just like okay i'll accept the fact that you know like you said you can adjust in a lot of ways i'll just accept that i lose five cs every landing stage because i'm playing in eu rather than na 
And if anything, you know, maybe you'll be better because you're learning to play with weaker starts. But at the same time, like I also, it, it, there's so many factors to that, but uh, yeah. you know, I, I've been suffering it with myself because my viewers are just like, you should just queue you when you're in New York. And I'm like, but I have 10 ping or a hundred, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, it's tough. But then I go to you. And as long as I, if I was playing support, I thoroughly enjoyed those games because as support, you don't feel a ping nearly as much just, you know, because you're only harassing or maybe pulling rather than exact precise uh, CSing and stuff. It's more conceptual, obviously rotating around the map and stuff. Right. And you um, make a mistake and people don't quit the game. Like, Oh, absolutely. You, you know, like you that's try, the biggest yeah. thing. <laughs> like you tell your team to smoke with you and you actually get, you know, right. people smoking with you. It's, I it's showed okay to oh, play Dota correctly in other regions. Whereas in NA, it's just like, all right, somebody misses a CS and their support, like just decides to jungle from then on. And that happens like literally from like Harold through immortal. Like, how is that the entire culture of a region where, it doesn't matter what level you you can't escape this ridiculously awful gameplay. Yes, you can. You go to you go to EU. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Kind of but I yeah I've, uh, I know just I, I can sympathize with Breaky right now because I know he's he's heard me talk about this a lot. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I want to thank gonna... you guys for tuning into the NA Pub podcast here. <laughs> that's what we're here. No, no, it's 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 a good discussion. It really is, and that's why I've I've been fine letting it letting it go on. Uh, here, but at the same time, we we are running a little bit long here, so I do want to uh, continue just a couple other things that we wanted to so I wanted to go over. But certainly, Sorry, I, can, I, can I say one last thing? Sure, go ahead. It's just it's just going to be fun because we finally have an NA land. Yeah, so everybody's going to come play oh, for, for like. Two I wonder weeks. if it's going to be on US West. By the way, <laughs> I hope it, it is. Boom, 40 ping. It's going to be super cool to watch because you're going to see all these EU and all these Chinese and all these SEA players come here and they're going to dominate the games against like the, the regulars of NA. They're going to play with Lukey Lukey and they're going to be like, <laughs> this, is this Pango guy's spammer. seven? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that, sorry, that, those, are, those are fun times with the majors and that, that is a unique experience because yeah, it doesn't happen often. So I can't wait. I, I that, that was my favorite part about the Seattle TIs and the Vancouver TI yeah, was, yeah. was the fact that um, I got to play, you know, two weeks or so of just top tier freaking pubs. So. Okay. Um, so, yeah, a c- couple other things uh, to, to go over here before we do start wrapping up, actually. But uh, we'll start with the, again, the minor qualifier, specifically the European region, as we've already kind of mentioned uh, before. But a couple of takeaways from this Alliance, the team to represent Europe, they had to defeat Nigma three games to two in the best of five grand finals to ultimately uh, qualify and secure that spot. So no surprises here that it was an epic grand finals. Obviously it was a very well fought uh, playoffs itself with liquid and aggressive mode being the other two teams involved. But again, in the end Alliance going to the minor Nigma ultimately not qualifying. And uh, again, this uh, a case here of a team Enigma that sat out the first cycle and you know, at least qualified last cycle, but now, uh, having to sit out again uh, in a sense. So, again, quickly here, but thoughts on Alliance uh, ultimately beating Enigma, and more so, what does this mean for Enigma moving forward as a, as a team? Should they be concerned, I suppose? Uh, elevated? Um, yeah, I, I think that Enigma should be concerned just because they didn't look good. Like, they, they seem to be just off in terms of their coordination. They were overextending. Their communication just seems, like, really poor cons- compared to what it used to be. And uh, Alliance continues to prove that they are a team that was kind of thrown together seemingly at the beginning of the year that is exceeding expectations in terms of what I think uh, most people would have predicted. So 
I would say that they're probably the heavy favorites to win the uh, the minor. I, I look at the other seven teams, and I'm just like, all right, well, EU does get that extra spot <laughs> after yeah. all. That's fair. Uh, BSJ? Uh, uh, I, I, for me, they've been proving constantly throughout this season that uh, even though they like won the minor and went to the major, that there there is – lack of cohesiveness and they really have been carried by the individual skill of their players. And yep. I just, same thing as earlier, there could be so many reasons behind that, but um, I would say give them one more cycle. And then if something similar happens, I would be drastically concerned, but by no means can you ignore the potential implications of what is happening right now. This is kind of like the, symptoms warning sign scenario um address the problem if it doesn't get addressed now it's it might be a drastic situation that needs to happen but it's kind of similar to like ppd it's like i think curl is just top tier captain and um whether it's removing players or whatever has to be done it will be figured out uh, at, at some point uh you know with ppd it took kicking three players and i'm not saying that's what nigma has to do but um I just think player. I think captains like that are are so rare that it's uh, it's inevitable that whatever team they end up directing will make it back to the top at some point. Yeah, uh, it's worth noting again they got knocked down by Liquid in the first round of the minor, and they had to go through the lower bracket to ultimately get that grand final spot uh, to even give themselves a chance. Which again, they made an epic series, sure, but in the end, uh, Alliance, uh, the team out of Europe, to qualify. So for me personally, I I, I don't think we're hitting the the red alert button just yet. It, it, this is the European yeah. region after all. It, it's very very difficult. We knew that going in. So one of these teams we were going to be surprised about to an extent. Them and Liquid being the other one. Uh, both, of course, major teams last cycle, not qualifying even for the minor. This isn't like an LGD situation, though, right? It's it's certainly more understandable uh, than something like that. So um, I sure. think I think they're fine, but yeah, well, it's it's something certainly to monitor as we progress on here. Uh, as uh, we got two more cycles still for Agreed. them to play with. How much of it do you think is patch related, BSJ? Because like I feel like this patch is almost like two years ago in terms of how the game is being played as it's, it's been a long time since we've had a meta that's kind of like this i mean what's confusing for me is like i think liquid or not liquid excuse me team enigma individual players are at this at similar caliber to like secret for right. instance and a team like secret just crushes every single patch so it's like you know i don't if it's a team like tnc in question you know i'll, I'll call out the patch you know like i will say that that could be a drastic influence on their level of success but with a team like team nigma i you're past the skill level of worrying about how good a patch is for you like that's that's my opinion like they're better players than a patch dictating how good they are at dota so um i just won't give them that as a reason to even remotely be not at their top form there's something else wrong that will not be the problem you always when you do start to see a little bit of struggle with a team like this in their shoes you do have to bring up the 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 drive question of you know this is a team that's had major success of course winning a ti for the five players getting to the finals just this previous season even we himself has been to, to a couple and we saw the true side yes it hurt and that's understandable but they've had a lot of great success these last two to three years so it, it is difficult in any competition any traditional sport esport or whatever to keep that drive going only 
only those unique people in their respective sports seem to be able to do that. And I'm not saying that's a situation here, but that certainly is something to at least be a thought uh, when you do see a team start to struggle. But again, personally, I don't think they're at that spot even yet. I don't think, like I said, don't don't go red alert. It's things are fine. It's let's just let's just uh, let the season ultimately play out. They, they don't scream to me a team that needs to be looking to make changes. For sure. Um, okay, the the other qualifiers, let's just uh, – I'll, I'll just go over the, the teams that qualified. If you guys want to give any takes quickly on uh, said teams, yeah, Gambit and Fours Esports out of CIS. They spell esports with a capital S. I hate them already. Uh, <laughs> Business Associates and Fighting Pandas out of North America. Alliance out of Europe as mentioned. Uh, Boom Esports out of Southeast Asia. And No Ping Esports out of South America. China is actually starting – in an hour from now, uh, and they've been delayed, but uh, they'll we'll find out the China qualifier uh, by the time the next podcast rolls around. But yeah, in a couple of days from here, as we're doing this live recording, uh, worth noting again, this brings up the point too that TNC did not qualify out of Southeast Asia even for the minor. That's certainly one of the more standout results that that we do have right here. So, um, elevated any uh, analysis on these teams? Uh, not much, honestly. It's it seems pretty standard throughout. Like CIS is kind of a mess. Once you get below the top three or four teams, Gambit is like in those top three teams usually. Uh, of course, we've got our two NA superstar rosters who uh, <laughs> basically just have a free trip to the minor, and then the other regions no ping. It's like this could either be you know like an infamous. It could be some random other stack of peruvian or brazilian players it's just like the same players over and over thrown together in another stack and tnc what is there to be said like they they don't look very good so another sea team gets a shot and that's cool oh i mean i what i look forward to always in the minors is uh we get the nice quality team that didn't make it in the china or european major slot so we get those teams and they're always the favorites and uh yet to be upset you know both uh, are all the minor winners so far have been from the China or uh, European region. So it's just a matter of uh, kind of having these teams get to prove themselves. And at the end of the day, it's main, mainly I look at it as practice for these players. Uh, like they get to play against better competition. Um, and, you know, obviously I, for the most part, look at the minor as, you know, is it the Chinese team or is it the European team that's going to make it to the major um, yep. everyone else kind of see, you know, get their feet in the water uh, and get some good land experience. And sadly, that is kind of what it is. Maybe that'll change if, you know, they change the slot allocation, but I don't really care about that as of right now going into it. I just look forward to seeing the potential of some of these other teams. I think every minor, there's been like one or two teams that kind of step it up. Totally. They make it to top three or four and you're like, oh, like these guys gave Team Enigma a run for their money. And then there's the teams that, you know, you kind of just laugh at them. Like, hey, you're like, oh. This is like clearly tier three, tier four data. So uh, that that's it's like a lot of homework kind of compacted into one small tournament. And I got to cast the last one, and it's funny to watch the mate or watch the meta that develops in a minor, just because um, when nobody's tier one, it more so boils down to who's better at their strategy rather than whose strategy is best. Kind of like at the highest level, since everyone's really really good, it comes down to what team happened to find the optimal strategy in that specific meta but well, your, your minor too was like right after the big patch that took place so exactly yeah. so it, it just felt like you know who was better at their specific strategy ended up taking it and so you get to see some like real weird heroes sometimes and specialties and 
uh, I, I like that aspect. So I personally enjoy watching the minor for that. And that's what I'm always looking out for. So I don't think I've ever really given my perspective on minors, but that's, uh, that's why I enjoy it. So if you're a viewer at home thinking about watching the minor, that's the reason I would watch it and definitely can look out for that. Yeah. Star ladder, uh, putting on the production, always a uh, pretty solid production themselves out of Kiev there, of course. And, uh, the minor itself, March 5th through the 8th is when it's uh, set to happen. So again, coming up fairly quickly, you know, two to three weeks here, we'll be, uh, we'll be into the minor. So yeah, those are the minor results as well. Uh, one more thing before we do again, officially wrap up here, but worth noting third party tournaments, uh, still taking place and we play, uh, is, is doing their part, uh, not only hosting the recent minor, but now hosting what they call the tug of war mad moon tournament. Um, it's been a, uh, technically it's from a series of events that they've been running over time, but, uh, point is it's an eight team land that's taken place. Uh, a couple of cool things from it. You, we get to see baited, which is the, uh, new Dendi squad that uh, his team that he put together uh so we'll see how they perform but you do have teams like team secret nip uh viridis pro so several major qualified teams that uh will get a little bit more practice before said major and uh i suppose a couple of minor teams as well on top of that but um yeah any thoughts uh from you guys uh elevate will start with you on, on this event um i'm just kind of excited to see how some of these teams like like Team Nigma again, they they're not in the cycle. Are they going to play this one super seriously? Are they going to be trying stuff out? Are they going to be trying to refine and figure out their issues? Is Secret going to play it seriously? Are they just going to be like wildly experimenting with stuff? Uh NIP, I feel like will probably be doing pretty solid reps because they are such a newly formed team. And then you've got these other sort of like lesser um experienced or lesser tier teams that might be looking to prove something or like get some momentum going into the next cycle like like bait or gambit or infamous or aggressive mode who like could potentially you know maybe beat a secret who's trying to run some techie strategy or whatever and then be like hey we beat secret and now they they suddenly have extra confidence going into the next round uh, uh yeah this kind of tournament just gives me like summit vibes where it's you know a specific region that's kind of doing like something I think will grow the region more so than anything. Yeah, yeah, they always have teams from other regions, but um, to me, this tournament just stands out as a uh, fan service. Is that what it's called, right? Fan service? Uh, sure. yeah. To to the CIS region with the Dindy team, like giving them a chance to potentially prove themselves. I'm always very skeptical. Uh, it's not that I view Dindy lowly or anything, but like I don't think anything you did in TI 1 through 4 remotely results in success nowadays like yeah there are team there are players that are obviously very successful now that were successful early on in dota but there's also plenty that are not um but i think dendy's like a really important icon for the community and i can hope that um tournaments like this almost become more popular as time goes on where these very uh high profile players that aren't necessarily at the top of their game anymore at least haven't proven they are you know um can draw some fan service to the game. Like, I think that these types of tournaments are nice and not every tournament has to be, or I would hope that not every tournament has to be absolute tier one Dota to attract a large audience. And I'm hoping that a tournament like this does attract a large audience. Uh, and that's what I'm looking for in this tournament is how big of a success uh, more so favored to the popularity of the players rather than the quality of the teams. And I think it's important that that's like for the longevity of an esport that that exists. Um, so, kind of 
That's what yeah, I'm looking okay. for. It's okay to entertain. It doesn't always have to be like Best super, best, super yeah. competitive all the time. Uh, it is a game after all. It's for entertainment that we watch. I do yeah. like the fact that they're doing this like uh, MVP with cash prizes for yeah. that as well. I think that's kind of an interesting innovation on the MVP, which most people just kind of meme. And they probably will with this one too. But at the same time, there's like a little bit more people might take a little bit more seriously because there is $10,000 that you're going to give to somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a good point. it's for the best core and the best support. That's uh, something else to, that is unique with this event. It's not really a bounty, I guess, but yeah, for, for the award. I mean, we've seen it a couple, obviously, what, the ESL events, they do have the, the car that they even give to the quote-unquote MVP, but um, yeah, it's it's fun to see uh, unique stuff like that. And I go back to, I mean, we play the one putting this on. It, they they always are a top-notch production, and it seems like, it, especially for being so new still, they've only been a couple of years at the most. Um, really, this last year, they really started to explode as far as Dota 2 goes. Um, they, they're willing to be unique, and it goes back to the points you both are bringing up, that these third-party tournaments, they know that in the end they really should be about having fun and bringing that fan service there. And, hey, it starts on Wednesday. And so it's a $300,000 tournament with eight solid teams, including some of the best in the world in Team Secret, et cetera. Why not? We get some good Dota to watch before the minor and then eventually the, the next major that takes place. So definitely props to WePlay for, uh, for putting this on. Yeah, I just wish the success for these types of tournaments. That's all. Like, yeah. uh, yep. you know, um, I think WePlay's production hopefully proved after the minor that people can maybe watch a tournament like this just for the sake of how good the production was. You know, I think that that is important. And I think that the WePlay minor, for instance, was obviously had some big name teams like Team Enigma. So it, it did get more viewers because of that. But it also had really good production and people constantly were talking about that. And I want for that to be worth it you know i want for that to be uh, us to be in a scene where that's you know a, an organization can validate putting that much money and effort into the production because it actually matters and uh yep like i said this this type of tournament i think is important to be successful for the longevity of the scene and not just have it be the highest competition of majors uh you know nba has an all-star game that type of stuff why can't dota have these type of events and i feel like they've kind of died off over the years uh as the games become much more try hard and everything um, obviously makes sense because there's so much money in it, but um, I think it's important that we still do this. So I, I'm just highly emphasizing. I'm rooting for the success of a tournament like this. And as you said, everyone likes to watch some high quality Dota and there are some good teams here. So I'm looking forward to uh, just some good entertainment. All right. Again, that starts on Wednesday. It goes through the weekend, $300,000 prize pool. We get some good Dota by the time our next podcast show runs around uh, next week. And we get uh, something good to talk about there as well. So, uh, But I think that's a good point to start wrapping up officially. So uh, give you guys a chance. The first up, Elevated, thank you so much for joining us. Um, by the way, Alchemy Elevated is your Twitter. And there's a reason for that. If you want to give a brief explanation of uh, what you do over there at Dota Alchemy. Uh, I do everything, including Jenkins's laundry and, you know, scheduling all nice. of his meetings. I'm basically a secretary, a manager, a handler, a fluffer, whatever else Baby he needs. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I run Dota Alchemy, the YouTube channel. I was blessed with having BSJ help me make some content when Jenkins was playing D&D. So thank you for <laughs> stepping in and stepping up. And uh, we'd love to have so you guys on our content anytime you want. Uh, we just like to make entertaining and educational Dota content. So thank you for having me on here as well. I appreciate it. Definitely. Check it out, guys, on YouTube, Dota Alchemy. Uh, great community as well. they got an awesome Discord server, so feel free to hit it up. Uh, BSJ, any last words yourself? I talk plenty, especially today. So 
Thanks for having me again. It was fun. Always enjoy this. All right. Officially wrapping up, guys. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, feel free to hit that follow button if you like this show. It lets you know when we are going to be live. Again, the idea that every Monday at our new time, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, is what we're going for right now. But uh, also subscriptions. In fact, I saw one earlier. Um Doing a, throwing out a sub there. It does help support not only our podcast, but the umbrella of podcasts under Prediction Esports. So really do appreciate it, guys. Uh, and look forward to, to next week already. So have a good night. We'll see you next time. Until then. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.